number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Welcome in, kids. Let's get excited about the start of football. We'll be there. What time is it? Good uh, you think I'd know. Hour two of the show starts at two, Jeff. That's what time it is. Yes. Made it easy on us with this time slot. Hour uh, two is two. It, it, yeah, 345 uh, practice begins today, correct? Here we go. As mentioned, first hour that uh, practice gets underway today. We'll have a live show for you tonight. A check in. I'll check in from over at the practice facility. T. Lizzie to my right here will make it hastily back to his desk and his setup. Yeah, I'll probably take in the first 90 minutes or so of practice before scrambling home. That's all you really need to do in, in the sense that you're checking out the new. Uh, players that are coming in, uh, maybe get a good look at body types, uh, what guys have done to transform. I thought that was, you know, every year you're going to highlight the things that you did well in the off season if you're a head coach, especially when you have the first assembly of the press before you. You're going to talk about the good things that have happened. and But, I, you know, you can usually read through that. Sometimes it's rhetoric. Sometimes it's something you can tell that, uh, a person is honestly excited about. And I think he certainly went out of his way more than once yesterday, did Coach Norvell, to talk about the progress that Coach Storms and his staff has made. But I, I didn't want to touch on the weight gains, and I didn't want to talk about the strength gains and those kinds of things, or the weight loss uh, for some guys. He made a good point, and this is true at every football program in America. Who you hire as your strength and conditioning coach matters a lot more than people realize. And you might think, well, of course, I mean, this is the guy tasked with the responsibility of making sure, along with the nutritionists, that they're uh, getting their bodies ready to compete and getting stronger and putting them through the paces and staying on top of these guys. But it's really about the messaging and the relationship that is being built there because that's the guy that's around the kids the most, more than any other coach. Seeing him every day and his ability to send messages from the top down, receive messages from players, go back up the ladder, is really paramount to your operation. You you need that connection from your strength and conditioning coach uh, to its players, players back through the strength and conditioning coach to the head coach and to his assistants. And I liked, that's another reason that I kind of perked up, I liked the enthusiastic way in which he went out of his way more than once to talk about the gains, but more importantly, what Coach Storms was doing and trying to get them prepared. That's important. I think it's, you know, you can sometimes detect when a guy is just here, when a guy is just part of a staff, not special, not unique, not somebody that they're relying heavily on, and other times when obviously the head coach feels like that guy has earned his paycheck, and there's no doubt he feels excited about what Josh Storms is doing. Now, again, the caveat to all of this is that that's great, cool, glad you like him, appreciate his work ethic, he's paid handsomely, he should work hard. Fans pretty much will will say, yeah, I'll believe it when I see us pushing people off the ball. I'll believe it when I see the physical and tangible aspects of that growth that he's referencing. I want to see this in a game. Yeah, we'll be able to see it in practice. I mean, we'll be able to see it with certain guys who I thought needed to gain strength last year. There are four or five guys in particular that I thought, man, if that guy gets stronger, the athleticism is there, the requisite skill set for that position is there. We'll see. So I'm looking forward to seeing that today and really, more importantly, once they don the pads. 
that's the thing that you know I come back to with Robert Scott is if he's putting on nearly 20 pounds in four months, what does that say about the potential? Hopefully, it says he's on steroids of this strength and conditioning program. Yeah. What is it? Not his potential. The potential of what we do in order to get guys where they need to be from just spring to fall. Not 20 pounds from last year's fall camp. 20 pounds from April. Really? Okay, that perked me up. Yeah, and I I kid, sort of, when I talk about on steroids. I just I want us to maximize our ability to get the most out of these kids, and there are a lot of ways to do that. Alabama and Georgia seem to have figured it out. Oh, up. there are plenty of legal supplements, sir. Plenty of them. <laughs> There are stores in the mall dedicated to him. I will. Uh, I will continue to say that uh, I'm not sure it's entirely possible unless the person wasn't. Maybe they had an eating disorder. Maybe they had a a, a medical malady. Something along those lines. It doesn't seem possible to me. And again, these are growing boys. These are young men. They, you know. I've watched Bryce put on like 25 pounds pretty quickly because he went from being 5'3 to 6 feet like that. But as a grown-up, it's hard to put on 20 pounds of muscle in a very short period of time. I, that's a toughie. In all seriousness, it's not 20 pounds of muscle. It's it, just 20 pounds. It's probably a little paunch and maybe about 10 pounds of muscle. But yeah, still, it's impossible. Yeah, I was going to say it's impossible just through working out to put on 20 pounds of muscle in four months it can't it really no <laughs> unless wait till this live read that comes up at the end of the segment unless we're very proactive and we have found the proper mix of nutrition working out diet what do you want he just ate a lot he ate a lot more realized he could eat another meal or two i would like for our strength and conditioning coach to have to find ways plausible ways in which to describe the massive amounts of strength and weight gain we are seeing per player, per position. It'd be a wonderful exercise. It reminds me of uh, the Giambi brothers, and in particular, oh. Jason. Yeah, old Jason. Remember when he came back from his suspension? And he was down 25 pounds. like a pencil. And people were like, what happened? Before changed, he was a Sharpie. Changed my diet. You did, didn't you? I've already apologized for nothing yeah. um, in particular. Remember that apology, but uh, it's great to be yeah. back out here. Yeah. Looks uh, like you trimmed down, Jason. I did. I did. I did. Just a few pounds. I think he said something ridiculous. He was like four or five pounds. Like, Dude, you lost a human being. You've lost an entire human being. I was just really uh, concentrating on my diet, about four or five pounds. Just wanted to be a little faster. Did you catch the little thing that Mike said about Pokey yesterday that was kind of funny because it tells you about how weight what they list guys that? Right, yeah. I, I don't know what he was advertised as last year, but I mean, he's he's ten pounds heavier. He's a different human. He's a different player. Different body. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you guys advertise? I see how it is. I did. Uh, I did crack up laughing with the the classic. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, he kind of caught himself, and then he just went with it. Well, I mean, I don't know what we uh, what. What he was listed as, but which uh, means that Maurice Smith on, was yeah. advertised at 271 when he was 252 pounds. In, <laughs> in all seriousness, for Maurice Smith, man, it would be uh, look. I want to win games, and I I make jokes all the time about any number of things. At the end of the day, I want to win games, and I'm a bit of a mercenary when it comes to the whole winning of the games thing. But 
I do also feel for guys who have legitimate ways in which they cannot take the step forward because of, of some sort of setback, some sort of uh, – it could be an injury, whatever it might be, right? And I'll tell you why. Because if you're undersized and you're being asked to play a position, it is the worst feeling in the world to know that before the ball is snapped, you, you are at a massive disadvantage, that you're going to have to go above and beyond to have any success at all, that everything about your play has to come down to perfect technique, perfect footwork, low man, everything about what you have to do has to be perfect just to have a fighting chance to offset this massive disadvantage that you have from a weight standpoint. Now, you can get away with it maybe as a corner, get away with it as a receiver. You know, you see slightly built guys all the time kind of get away with that at the speed skill positions. But in the trenches, you cannot get away with being sufficiently undersized. I mean, my man is, he looked like a fish out of water in some of these games against the better teams we played. And at the end of the year, I don't know how much weight he had lost during the season, but he was tiny. Like, you'd watch him trot out there, and I'd I'd think, oh, man, I'm worried for him. And that wasn't sort of a pity party, but just more of the reality of the situation. So why do I bring it up? Well, this gets back to the mercenary part. A, okay, yes, as a human being, I felt bad for him having to go out there and do battle as a a very undersized offensive lineman. But then winning the games, man, you you can't have that. I want fierce competition at that position between Heaton, Caden, Lyles. I want that to come down to the the bitter end. They go to war. Uh, Caden Lyles is healthy and has maybe dropped a few pounds, whereas Maurice Smith is healthy and gained a few pounds. And let's go. Let's create the competition that we need uh, to, 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 A, better everybody around him. Yeah, I don't know that that makes Caden Lyles magically more agile. It'll be interesting to see if he wins the job. Let's just project that, and it could go either way. If Maurice is truly at the size that they list him at, as advertised, quote-unquote, then it could go either way. But if Caden's a part of that starting five, what does that do to the scheme? What do you run? Maybe something a little bit differently? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what they do is creating angles. And are they getting to a place where they don't have to create crazy angles in order to set up plays for themselves? Can they just do basic stuff? Because Caden looks like a basic player. Now, he's a giant basic player, but he'll uproot you straight ahead. But I don't know that you're going to see him swinging out to the right on a toss pitch, <laughs> even though he's down eight pounds. I don't think that's going to make much of a difference in his ability to do that. But we'll the, see. We'll the, see. The only thing I look at with the loss of eight pounds is more about is he was did he get healthier once spring ended and the workouts began? Because I, I really think that the reason we didn't see him and the reason that we were worried about what we're getting with him is just because I don't think he was ever completely healthy in the spring. I think they were trying to bring him along slowly. Well, there's precedent there with this coaching staff, and that's Dylan Gibbons, who wasn't available for the spring. He didn't transfer until the summer last year, Mm -hmm. but you didn't like the way he checked in. Oh, it was embarrassing. You know, yeah, I I was standing next to you the first time I got a glimpse of him. And then look at him now. In spring, you're like, oh, that's more like it. Okay. When he checked in a year ago and I was standing next to Tom, I'm like, look at that sloppy fat ass. That's embarrassing. And That is verbatim with tone and everything. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, good for him. I mean, that was a, a transformation. And really, the reason I was mad was less of a personal attack. More, it, it comes across as very personal. Tough love Cameron sometimes crosses or, or, or edges up against that line. But the whole thing of it was, Tom, I was like, man, no, I need you to start now. 
We don't have time for you to get in shape, dude. You should have arrived here in shape, but look at you. Jabba the Hutt, we got no shot out here. I need you to be able to move. And then by week five, whatever it was, all of a sudden he could move, and he was displacing folks in a way that seemed to befit the the lineman we thought he could be when he came in from Notre Dame. Well, so There was probably an injury there that prohibited him from coming to camp in tip-top last year. But with Caden, he got the spring. So now the whole summer to work with Storms, and he could look different. I mean, Gibbons looks like a different player we'll, than he did this time last year. We'll know today. How about that? About 90 minutes. We're going to know today. How great is that? Walk out there and go, oh, look at you. I should maybe give like a cryptic text or tweet where I'm not insulting the young man who's also you know, five times my size and could kill you me. You should just take – I know that you would – balk at this because of what it sounds like but you should take a selfie video yeah i'm not gonna do that well hang on yeah of you watching caden walk into practice and maurice walking into practice so it's like and it's the, your reaction so the trend uh okay or so like the trend on uh instagram or tiktok or whatever the kids so it, it rolls the nba starting five that you get the all-time team above your head and the whole thing is for people to nod their head when they get a player or oh no no you know, oh, I got Havelcheck. That ain't going to work. Not in today's game. What am I supposed to do with that? Oh, Bill Russell. Okay. Oh, look at that. I got Scotty Pippen. Whatever it might be, right? So I could do that with Caden Lyles. I think it'd be agree, disagree, sadden, or excited. It could, it could literally be you in the walkway as he's coming up and you're just watching. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't know, guys. Uh, ooh, could, oh, okay, the, okay. Okay. There we go. And then All just, right, just tweet good. that. And then people will have to figure it out. Uh, well, we'll see. I'm knocking on wood that he's all right because that's a guy that didn't get to participate in the spring the way that we thought he would. He was a guy I was really excited to see because it, the same thing applied to him that did Dylan Gibbons, and that is that the program they were coming from had a reputation of routinely churning out very upper-crust offensive linemen for those leagues Well. Notre Dame's an independent, might as well be in the Big Ten. But, you know, the, the, for that for that culture, for for what they've been able to do in, in the way of producing offensive linemen to the NFL, I thought, man, we got a guy, when, just like I did with Dylan Gibbons, got a Notre Dame offensive lineman. What have they done? They've just churned him out to the pros. So even if he's a backup, he's at a place where they recruited him, you know, so that you knew they saw something from this high school tape. And then in the case of Caden Lyles, he not only started at Wisconsin, and they run the ball, that's what they do. They don't do much else. And – he started for a time, got hurt, but he played a ton of football. That seemed to suggest certainly he could come right here, just pop him in the lineup, and you'd be good to go, and that wasn't the case in the spring. And that, again, probably had more to do with him getting healthy, but also learning the system, learning the verbiage and all those. I mean, Atkins, you know, I got faith in Coach Atkins. That's that's for sure. So uh, let the competition begin. That's a fun one. Probably the most intense competition we're going to watch day in and day out at practices beginning today is with that offensive line. It's Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
All the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Probably the answer is LSU because of where it is. Slated on the schedule, the city it's in, and the fun that's going to be had surrounding it. But I am kind of, now that the season is starting and practices begin, um, looking at our schedule again, going back through it. Not time for a W's and L's just yet, but we'll have to get to that, Tom, because W's and L's, the final one, is always done in August. Can you believe it? At least a week's worth of padded practices, right? Yeah, I got to see them. I got to see them line up and hit one another and who's emerging, and you knock on wood. You try to do the last W's and L's to be the most accurate, obviously. I don't know that it, anything's happened for us to waver up to now, although they have added more offensive linemen since the last W's and L's that we've did we've done. But I started to look at it again and ask myself, which game am I most excited about? Which, which, which is the game beyond LSU? Because everybody's going to say LSU that I am most excited about. And uh, if and, and I like to look at it in two ways. What it says about the team, what it means, if like, let's say I pick a game like uh, Clemson-Florida State on the 15th here. If I pick that game, it partly means, yes, it's a high-profile game, but it also means that I think they've navigated the first half of the schedule in a positive way and that this is the catalyst for like potentially a – a better-than-imagined season. Um, and then on the other hand, if I pick a game like October the 8th, the week before, against NC State, by the way, tough stretch, tough stretch. NC State comes in back-to-back, uh, no bueno. But you go to NC State, there's a part of me that thinks if they're a lot tougher than they were a year ago, a lot deeper than they were a year ago, and a lot more confident than they were a year ago, that that game could be dicey for NC State, who will be a significant favorite. Not a huge favorite, but a significant, a touchdown favorite. That could get dicey into the fourth quarter, and that gets fun. And an NC State team that's coming off of playing Clemson on the road the week before. there you go, right? So what if they put all their eggs into the Clemson basket? They lose 17-14 in a defensive slugfest because Clemson's offense still isn't good, which is good news for us, but they're heartbroken, and they come home. They find heartbreak, Mitch. There we are. (laughs) Right next With to the one loss on the ledger for the whole season, and we're feeling good about ourselves. Mm. The biggest upset Florida State will spring on the schedule this year is against whom? One more time. The biggest upset that Florida State will spring, surprise. Miami. November the 5th. Miami on the road. A game I'll be at. Oh, okay. I tend to go down there. I've got dear friends, obviously, there. And I've been in the stands for some of those great moments. Also, some of the heartbreak. Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> but when I said that, that doesn't shock you, does it? It doesn't. Uh, I think Miami's pretty good. I don't think they're great. They're not an elite team. I do think they have more talent than Florida State. They had more talent than Florida State last year, and they lost that game here, of course. But, hmm. God, there's a. Uh, I'm having a hard time answering it because we're underdogs against LSU. 
I don't know that the, nobody would be shocked if we beat LSU though. But I, I don't think even we'd think be that like, larger spread underdogs against Miami than LSU. Yeah, but I'm projecting that right Pro- now, but I feel that way. Probably, yeah. I, I'm just saying that if you look at it from the the vantage point of those that cover college football and not just Florida State, what would be the perception? What's the biggest upset on the schedule? Is it LSU that first week for them or in week one of the season? Uh, is it NC State on the road, who a lot of people like to win the ACC this year, and they weren't picked to win the ACC, but they finished second in the Atlantic, and of course they beat Clemson last year, and they beat us, and they also have a, a really good quarterback in Leary. That's a road game. Would it be Clemson here? Is that a bigger upset if we were to beat Clemson? Clemson, talent-wise, that would be the biggest upset of the year if we beat Clemson. We almost did a year ago up there. But this that that game, if Florida State beat Clemson this year, I think a lot of people would be pretty damn surprised. I mean, we're picked fifth in the ACC. That, 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 that was interesting. Fifth? Well, let me let me say about that. Uh, the margins are so razor thin, I can certainly understand it. Because if you just say that Clemson and NC State most assuredly are going to finish above Florida State. So now all you're doing is arguing about third, fourth, or fifth. So Louisville, who beat Florida State a year ago and, once again, is hosting that game with an elite quarterback. Okay, if you're going to look at those two teams, you're going to say, well, I like LSU. I mean, excuse me, I like Louisville to win that game. All right, so now you're just arguing about fourth or fifth. All right, the only issue you're really taking with the vote is that I have a problem with us finishing behind Wake. You mean Wake, who beat our ass a year ago? So you can see it. From afar, you can see why somebody would say, well, what's the problem? From afar but they don't see what we see. <laughs> I see 1% better every day, and there's been a lot of days between last season and now. Well, a lot of percentage points. Okay, so I'm in the camp, and there are plenty of people who completely disagree with me on this, and I said it after the game last year, and I've sustained my belief in this. I don't think that Florida State was nearly as bad uh, in that game as the final score indicated against Wake Forest. What I mean is if just the measure of the two teams. The lack of competition, yeah. It was... It was just nonsense. There was an avalanche of nonsense that happened in that game that led to that score disparity. You can't turn it over a gazillion times either, and he brought that up yesterday. You could tell that still eats at him because I think he knows. I mean, there are pivotal moments in the first half of that game if it goes the other way, if you're not called for two absurd penalties that extend drives and lead directly to points, directly to points. If that doesn't happen – Man, you are in a position to maybe win that game. Now, again, it did happen. And ifs and ands or buts and all that, yeah. Candy and nuts. Mm-hmm. Delicious. If the queen had. But, I yeah. no idea. Uh, you don't know that one? No. Oh, she'd be a king? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do now. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's that's that that I, I understand that's the retort. Like, oh, no, man, it really wasn't that close. They were way better well. at quarterback. Well, they were. Way better at quarterback. We were flipping a coin with what quarterback we were sending out drive for drive, but it's not crazy to think that even with that we'd be competitive because we were competitive in just about every game out of the last eight. That a lot of those were against teams I, that were much better. That game really pisses me off, and and because of it, I really and I've always taken issue with Wake Forest. It it goes all the way back, not just to the ass kicking we took, which actually was necessary because I remember leaving the stadium thinking, well, that's good, that happened, that means Jeff Bowden's going to get fired, good, but. Remember that field of theirs, which was a nightmare forever? Every time we went up there, a player got hurt. Now, you got to go back a ways with me to the Greg Jones era, everybody, but you guys know what I'm talking about. It seemed like for a while, every time we went on the road to play Wake Forest, we had a player get hurt. 
and I built and built and built resentment within me towards that program. Sorry-ass fan base, nobody there, stupid stadium, injury-riddled all the time, and they've had a knack for pulling off upsets against us, so it was always very frustrating. And then last year happened, and it kind of rekindled my disdain. Now I'm like, oh, you sons of bitches going to get beat. I'm tired of this. This is nonsense. Yeah, my undergrad nonsense. experience, every time we played Wake and it was important, we would get smoked. We played it's four quarterbacks. Wake. Yeah, we played four quarterbacks in a home game when I was an undergrad. <sighs> four. It's Wake. Yeah. God dog it, man. That should never happen. We ought to go, when we're right, when we're operating at peak efficiency, Florida State should handily win 10 in a row against Wake Forest. It, it, it ought not even be a thought. Like, oh, Wake, okay, so let's name our score this week. That's how it ought to be. Maybe 8 out of 10 because Clawson's got him in a good place right now. But, yeah, I hear you. No, he's a good coach. I'm not discounting him as a coach. Come on. There's 45-42, one of those 75 jobs. people attend that university. Can we – come on. And man. yet, their take-home has come always been on. dollar for dollar equal to us. And yet. That's a revenge game, Tommy. I'm going to go to that game, and I will not be able to be objective. I'm going to go as a fan. Don't count on me for anything after that pregame. And, Wake, we're going to cut your pay. I'm Sorry. going in rowdy. Me and Pops are going to go into that game a little lubed up. How do you feel about $8 million a year in TV revenue? $8 million. <laughs> For Wake? I haven't missed a day. Well, you work the overnight shift, Wake. I'm going to give you 50 bucks. You're doing nothing for us. You show up every day, but it's the 11 to 4. I can get anybody to show up every day. A.M. Giving us what you do. Come on. No, I know. I'm with you. It's just, it's, I can, t- I can hear it in your voice. You don't like them either. No. You don't like that they're a drain on the system. Yeah, that has been, uh, <laughs> you rolled your eyes for years when I said, why are we paying them no, the same amount roll, of money that I we just get? Got, it didn't make a difference because we weren't going to change. It couldn't, you can't change that. It's a conference. We're in the conference. There's but now matter. Jim Phillips says you can change. But it's it, magic. It, it's amazing. But it doesn't matter. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. They're not going to come up with a system that's going to make any damn bit of difference. It didn't work in the Big 12. It's not going to work here. It would work better for us in the short term. There you go, Wake. 25 cents on the dollar. There you go. <laughs> well, I would rather say that to Boston College and Syracuse and others. Say it all. I mean, Wake at least will, you know, every now and again show up in the damn ACC championship game. Not that they should. That's embarrassing for the ACC, but it happens. BC's not, I know the one time, guys. It's not happening ever again. And I like Halfley. Syracuse ain't going there anytime either. Talk to those sorry asses. Tell Duke, room. tell Duke to suck it. There you go. Get all four of them in a room and say who wants to pay, who wants to check. <laughs> because we've got more money up front for you right yeah. now to vote to disband this conference. But only one of you does. Mm. So who's going to raise their hand? Yeah. I bet Wake would. Volunteer for that one. Wake would raise their hand. We'll take the 50 bucks. It's a sad day, guys. I thought I got, you would, Wake. I got to take it. The rest of you, get out of, get got, out of here. I got to take it. Thank me for it. There you go. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show. Orchant TV, 93.3, Real Talk Radio. Reach out to my friend Shannon at Legendary Home Loans. He'll get you set up with a complete pre-approval underwriting. No longer an upgrade. Standard fare for these guys. You all right over there? I can see the frustration building as the computer betrayed you. We'll get there. (laughs) Uh, look, you got to get to the front of the line if you're trying to uh, 
get in in the current housing market with inventory low and demand high. And uh, that TBD full underwriting approval from legendary home loans will help get you there. You'll shorten, even remove your financing contingency. The sellers will also know that your offer is very real. So let's get to it. Uh, You want the advantage of a proven winning team in your huddle. Football analogy, get it? Pre-approval underwriting from my friend Shannon, legendary home loans. Here's the number, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. You can just visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. You know, I got a good word yesterday, somebody we know that was talking about uh, some of the numbers. Uh, And I mean this, this is an actual story, and I don't want to get into too many details and betray the trust, but uh, Rising Spears doing well. That's important to FSU. Man, that's a couple of times this week now. Well, you know, this is the we're moving towards the end of the week where the big recruiting weekend that is uh, at the end of July here because, again, you can't do it in August. And they've got some big names coming in. And there's been a push. I'm not going to, you know, deflect that part of it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, people know that uh, you, you need money, especially when you identify some of the higher-end, better targets that are rolling in this weekend, or at least to show the ability, uh, the capability. What's possible, as we like to say. And I think Florida State has really put themselves in a much better position with a lot of these guys than I thought possible six months ago. Uh, I know that that particular organization continues to grow and and reach out. to. uh, They're they're having a big um, get-together tonight, by the way, Tom, in Tampa. Big get-together tonight in Tampa. The people who can help. Are getting together. Well, a lot of invites to potential strong, powerful, successful donors or potential donors. If you're listening to this and you're in the Tampa area, uh, you can maybe make your way over to tonight's event. Can reach out and find out all about that. I know that they were making sure that all that needed to be included could be included because their efforts remain vigilant. And I say that biased. I'm biased. I want to see this work. I need to see we uh, if you're in all listening to this, you need to see this work. I don't really care who uh succeeds on that front just that somebody does and that our house is in order and it continues to grow and be organized, better organized. Uh and I think I think our place now at least in terms of competing for and having a shot at uh a number of guys that uh, will be sought after by Miami, by Florida, some other schools in the southeast is is in a good place. I didn't think I'd say that. I didn't think I'd have an opportunity to say that um, six months ago, eight months ago, and now now that's happening. And it, it, you know, I think the crescendo is for this weekend. Well, that's where the coaching staff, obviously, we know in this day and age, it's been this way a long time. They spend twenty hours a day on their job, especially this period of the calendar. But think about it. Yesterday, you had the media availability, players report, so you go through whatever initial stuff you need to go through. Practice three days in a row. They have off. The football team does on Saturday so the coaching staff can do the huge event that they're hosting on Saturday, the Seminole Cookout. And then they go practice Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Break Wednesday, and then they practice Thursday, Friday into a scrimmage next Saturday. So they are wall-to-wall covering everything from team functions to recruiting functions. And this is where the week zero makes things a little bit more difficult for a coaching staff. You, You would be able to wrap up the recruiting side of things before regular camp begins. But when you play week zero, you got to compress everything together. So they are busy as heck right now. You're hosting uh, Michael Langston Thursday, I do believe, Tom, on War Chant TV. For those that are interested in getting down into the weeds with recruiting and, and learning more about who's going to be here, who's not, 
and uh, you know who they're excited about, who they think they have a chance with, even uh, about guys that may very well commit this weekend. And you may get some verbals this weekend. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I, I'm hearing that it's even likely with a couple of guys. Yeah, and we'll discuss that tomorrow night. It's 8 o'clock on the channel. 8 o'clock tomorrow night, Warchant TV will be live. Michael will be doing the uh, the driving, man. I'm just going to throw him those softballs of, what about this kid? What about that kid? Because that's where I am on the recruiting thing right now. Gonna you are more about- knowledgeable right now on the particular kids. I know about Glenn and some others. Brock Glenn, the quarterback. Yep. Our good. fan base is getting a little nervous about that. I mean, any day now, Brock. Now, apparently, you know, he's yeah. he's in his first week of high school camp, so he's a little bit busy. But let's uh, let's get going. Yeah, and I like that kid, by the way, and I like where what his projection is. I I still feel pretty good about that. I um, you're not going to get a commitment, for example, this weekend out of Akeem Williams. Why would he? Uh, he's going to wait. It's a good question. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that when we talk about big recruiting weekends and we talk about uh, donations to Rising Spear and giving them a fighting chance to get big time players in here. At the end of the day, uh, some of these kids, well, that's well and good. You have to show proof of concept. You have to show that you're capable of, of competing with the big boys in terms of NIL. Yeah, that's good. That's that's a stepping stone to perhaps having a real shot with a kid. But what you do on the field, ultimately, this season is going to be huge. And I think that more than anything, the people within, I don't want to speak for them, but the folks that make up Rising Spear and I think anybody that really is heavily involved in recruiting understand that you can't get off to a slow start. So we repeat it all the time, but it's a big component because I get a lot of emails, people bring it up in the chat, get a lot of tweets and all that stuff where people will say, well, we're, we're not getting yeses. We're not getting certain guys to even take a look at us just yet. I think they've kind of reached the upper end of what they're capable of without wins. Well, and more times than not, the recruiting side of an operation for a football program might have a very different story to tell than the team side of the operation. Because, you know, it's the same thing in our business. Michael and a staff meeting might be saying something completely different about momentum than we're talking about because we're in week six and mm. the team's off to a good start or a bad start. You know, it could be they're five and one, and uh, a recruiting side will say, man, they're kind of dragging ass right now, or vice versa. Right. But we all agree this year. Everybody agrees, whether it's you talking on the radio, or it's wake up war chants, or it's Michael in a recruiting chat. Everybody says the same thing. It's critical wins. It's all about the football field. It's all about Saturdays this year to drive this thing home. Because if that doesn't happen, then well, we're going to get a new philosophy from a new coach. Yeah, probably so. And I would tell you this: that that commitment list already with Keldrick Falk having committed, um, and if you're just looking at defensive end, uh, obviously Lamont Green. Um, you know, you feel really good about that. Those are important positions. You got two offensive linemen, uh, both of which are four-star kids, to go along with the four-star defensive ends. Uh, from there, you you, you want to see some bigger names at wide receiver, and you know that's where everybody gets excited about Hakeem Williams, understandably. But I think that the better players of that ilk at the skill positions that we're talking about here, defensive back, running back, wide receiver, certainly quarterbacks. You may be able to get a quarterback who likes your system, believes in the offensive-minded head coach. That that may work. But most of the time, they're going to need to see the wins. And this offense hasn't been good. So if you're talking about those kinds of players, they're going to need to see the wins. That was the amazing thing to me at how they got four transfer wide receivers this past offseason. Like, I mean, honestly, if you're advising a young man and you're looking at what Florida State has brought to the table, 
with Mike Norvell. Not the Memphis offense, because they're going to sell you the Memphis offense and, and what you could do. You could be coaxy, the next coaxy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what what is there to hang your hat on, and why would you come here? So it has to be about the being real on a pitch if you're Mike Norvell on staff to say, look, we have been sorry at you know the passing game. That's why we're calling on you. But that's a leap of faith. It's a big leap of faith, and coaches need a guy to make that leap with them that shows what's possible and upgrades, raises the floor, that we talk about that all the time. Jimbo got it from a couple of big key recruits early on when he went all in and said, I promise you where we're headed, this thing's going to be much better, but I need guys like you to be the cornerstone of that. And so, you know, we talk about LaMarcus Joyner and players like that, that that said, yes, that took that leap of faith. I don't know who that player is going to be offensively for this staff and for Mike Norvell, one would think it would have to be an elite receiver. And yeah, I, but I mean, what I'm saying is last year in the transfer portal, it's Micah Pittman. It, it's it's Johnny Wilson. But, I mean, they obviously don't have great options. It's not like Alabama's calling, you know, but still, if, if you're looking at programs like Florida State, there are probably programs that won five games last year that are better and more bona fide in the passing attack than we are. Yeah, and that's where their approach has served them well with transfer portal guys. They they have a brutal honesty with their approach. They they don't tell them uh, that this is going to happen or you're going to be this. They don't sell um, you know, sort of ego. You know, they're t- they don't play to their egos. They tell them you're gonna have to work really hard. Uh, we'll make you better, I promise you that, but you're gonna have to buy in and you know you probably scare some guys off doing that. But if you can, you know, some guys really want to be challenged. I was told Jermaine Johnson really wanted to be challenged because he knew that people were going to look at his past and how many schools he had been at, and they were going to wonder, like, why is a talent like this having gone to these places and not worked out? Why why is he still on the move all the time? So they, in essence, were questioning his leadership uh, and his integrity. Well, he came to a place like Florida State not just because he could start, but he really thought – that being challenged in that way and being given the tools to lead would certainly serve him well when he did draft interviews. And that, I think, definitely happened. So what's interesting is I was watching a, a Mets game about six weeks ago, and Jermaine was one of the guys that come to throw the first pitch. And oh, really? so he's behind home plate. He's wearing Mets gear. It's just really strange just to see him wearing that. But he was getting interviewed by the SNY team because they do a lot of Jets coverage. And they asked him, so you had a great year at Florida State. What is it about this organization that you seem so fired up about? He goes, well, we fit together. Because it's the idea that he's okay with making a tougher decision and going on his own and helping build something Mm -hmm. that attracted Mm -hmm. the Jets to him. Correct. It wasn't just about the success he had at Florida State. They want to know why he went to Florida State. And he specifically brought up Florida State during the interview. Again, it was just kind of surreal. But that's what made those two click. That coaching staff, that new front office that the Jets have, saying, you know what, this is the kind of guy we need to flip this because he just made a similar decision in his college career. Yeah, and then he proved it, yeah. I, I think if you're where Florida State's at, this you really do. I mean, he Mike had to come in and flip the, the locker room, and the only way you do that is to certainly you have a game plan, you have a vision, you have a belief, you have a strategy to it, you have a pitch. Uh, but you have to believe in that pitch and then convince others to do so. And I don't think you can waver from that. That's the one good thing that's happened despite all the losing. He's not really wavered. And none, of, none of that's changed. Now, you could argue if it doesn't work out that he should have. But I, I would lose faith in a guy that changed what he thought was necessary to win and to establish long-term success if 
he had a few bad years, especially with extreme circumstances. He just decided to flip that. Well, that, that wouldn't be good. And by the way, recruits would see right through that too. Yeah, that's that's why if this does turn around, you go back to that 0-4 press conference where he didn't say execution. You know, mm-hmm. We're doing what we can. Some guys need to choose to step up. It wasn't that. It was stay the course. And he mentioned, and he fairly and rightfully did acknowledge that it was an embarrassing, humiliating defeat. I think he needed to do that because we certainly all felt that. And we're like looking at him like, don't give me a – don't, don't act like you don't know that that is unacceptable. He didn't. He led with that. He led with, I, I take full responsibility. That's humiliating, unacceptable loss, you know, all that. Uh, he's handled that aspect well. There's some other aspects that maybe not that you could take issue with. At the end of the day, starts today. Got to have a winning season, man. Got to go out and have a winning well, season. Well, I think if you go and have that winning season at the number that we're looking for, also some of those shortcomings, they might fix themselves. Winning might help. As in, you know, personnel decisions. Oh, I'm well, not talking about yeah, know, no, no, just players. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not only difficult to recruit players when you're struggling. Certainly difficult. Across the board. Behind and in front of the camera, it's it's very, very difficult. We'll come back, do some probables, and roll on over to practice, everybody. We had a push for it last night on Twitter, Tom, um, and I empathize with those that would like to see it. Not much we can do about it, though, which is uh, folks want the, the Sinatra back for probables. They want uh, the, It's just not the same with the generic music. We agree. We even had folks offering to raise money in order to pay whatever we needed to pay to be able well, to utilize uh, the music, but I don't I don't think they realize. Yeah, that's a big check. It's a real big one, like six figures. So feel free, if you have that, to uh, yeah, sure. we'll feign get, Rising we'll, Spear and give it to us. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll play the hell out of Sinatra. Oh, well, uh, if you give us six figures, we'll play, you know, we'll just be a veritable jukebox up here. We'll, we'll play whatever you want at that point. But <laughs> it is time for Probables, so if you would, sir. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, Probables? We got an ass kicking in Philadelphia. Philly's telling the Braves to touch their toes. 7-2 action in the seventh right there. Go ahead and chop that. Some of that beat down. Padres, Tigers, 2-1, San Diego leading Detroit in the fifth. By the way, I should give you the starters from those previous uh, teams. Morton, Charlie Morton, Kyle Gibson. Hugh Darvish started for the Padres. Tanik Skubal going for the Tigers. We go to the Angels and Royals. That game tied at nothing, nothing in the third. Guy's name is Jansen Junk. Hey now. All right. Jansen Junk got the start for the Angels. His first. Hasn't given up an earned run. He's already struck out six. They're in the third. Jansen. Please tell me he's 5'9 and a soft toss and lefty. He's a righty, and I don't know how tall he is. Brad Keller started for the Royals. Twins, Brewers, Chris Archer, still in the league. Pitching decently. Corbin Burns goes for the Brewers. Nationals, Dodgers, Patrick Corbin, Andrew Haney, White Sox, Rockies, Lucas Gilito, and Antonio Cincinnati. Stroh's A's, Christian Javier, Cole Irvin, 
Giants, D-backs, Logan Webb, and Zach Gallon. we got the Texas Rangers taking on the Seattle Mariners. That'll be John Gray and Marco Gonzalez. You know the record of the Seattle Mariners, Tom Lane? Uh, seven games over 500. Eight games over 500. We've got oh. Marlins, Reds, Braxton Garrett, and Luis Castillo, Rays, Orioles, Drew Rasmus, and Tyler Wells. Cardinals, Blue Jays, Adam Wainwright, Kevin Gossman, Guardians, Red Sox, Cal Quantrill, Nathan Avaldi, and finally Yankees mess tonight, Domingo Harmon and Max Scherzer. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Woohoo! Let's pack it up and head over to the More Athletic Center and the IPF and have a good time, man. I'm ready to. Uh, See who checks in, ready to roll, and who needs uh, some work, fall camp. Good work out of Tom. Good work out of you, Director Matthew. Thanks, everybody. Be well. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Peace.